0: Eric Dr. house would be ashamed of you. He would turn over his grave. You're one of his boys. If you go become a Southern Baptist or become influenced by, I knew, Brian, hear me and hear me well. In that conversation, I knew. I'm done. You're listening to an ongoing discussion on life, leadership and ministry. This is the Brian Sams podcast.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Brian Sams Podcast. This is your host, Brian Sams, and I'm once again joined by my co-host, Aaron Chan. Aaron, welcome back. Thank you. It's, it's been be a while. Yeah. We, we have decided, we took the summer off, and now we're kind of gearing back up this fall and the spring, and I'm excited to have the Brian Sams Podcast back in action. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of your favorite things it's to do, no doubt. my favorite thing I to do. I would have no doubt. <laughs> and we've always had great guests on here, but today I am super excited because I was able to meet, unbelievably, for the first time just a few weeks ago, who has now become a friend in Pastor Eric Capace from Gospel Light Baptist Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And first of all, Eric, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Well, thank you so much. Likewise, on what you said about uh, meeting there at that meet. I'll tell you this, you're one of those guys that after I met you I thought where have you been all my life I know
1: it's it's funny <laughs> too because when I started preaching and youth conferences and meetings I mean it was like we would crisscross uh, I may have preached this uh, conference that you had been at or but or at least around and, and oh yeah there were so many crosses I personal friends with a couple guys who graduated from champion back some in the early days, uh, Caleb Sargent. And then, uh, Taylor Gillespie was there for a while. He, he ended up being a guy that I trained. And so I just, you know, there's all this knowledge and then all of a sudden we meet face to face and it's like, my goodness, man, we should have been friends for a long time. And I'm thankful now, I'm thankful now we get to do that, man.
0: Yes, Uh, sir. I'm pumped. I really am looking forward to, to whatever God has.
1: Absolutely. So today, this is what I'm really excited about. I'm excited to talk about the subject of how the gospel makes us courageous, specifically how if you are gospel-centered, it will enable you to be free from the fear of men, and it will enable you to do ministry as you see it laid out in Scripture and as led by the Holy Spirit without the control of other people. And I want you to tell your story in just a minute, but before you do, I want to say this. A lot of our audience, Eric, is uh, guys in their 30s and their 20s, and some of them, unfortunately, don't know you as well, because a lot of these guys are either independent or coming out of independent, and so by the time they were thinking ministry in college, you had already carved carved kind of a different path. And what I wanted to say to you publicly, uh, having gone through that now, is how much I admire some of the things that you did, because frankly, you did it before a lot of people did it. I mean, you did it when it wasn't easy. In my opinion, it's easy to do because there were so many people that weren't going in a fresh direction led by the Lord and kind of uh, moving away from some of the things that they had done in the early days of their ministry. And I know that this podcast is going to be helpful for guys who are weighing in their hearts and minds about how they should lead their churches going forward. And it cannot be about lining up with institutions and playing the good old boy game and, and and settling with doing ministry in church in a way that you know deep down in your heart you shouldn't be doing, and it really isn't biblical, but <clears throat> you're afraid for one reason or the other, and the gospel has to make us strong. So Eric, start, man, by just tell, tell us about your church and a little bit about your history and your family just to get started.
0: Absolutely, yes. Uh, of course, I'm 56 years old, so I, don't, I hope I don't act 56. I, I try to keep a pretty young attitude, but I, I've been married to my wife, Carol Ann, for 30, uh, 33 years. We have five children. Uh, my oldest son is Matthias. He is 30 years old. He's our administrative pastor here at the church. My second-born son is Josiah. He is uh, he's 28. He's our children's pastor. My third-born son is Ezekiel, and uh, he is uh, a a senior at Champion Christian College. Uh, Chloe is my 20-year-old daughter. She's a a junior at Champion Christian, and then we are blessed to have a 15-year-old special needs girl. She's amazing, and uh, she goes to uh, a special school, you know, for her disability. But so my kids are affectionately known, and some of you listening, if you know me, you will know they're, they are Mo, Joe, Zoe, Clo, and Glo. So uh, yeah, it's easy to leave the house. It's just like Mo, Joe, Zoe, Clo, Glow. let's go. And my wife says, we ain't having no Mo. <laughs> so, That's great. Anyway, yeah, it's it's great. It's great. We're blessed. Um, you know, I, I pastored this church, the same church, for uh, going on See, 29 years just celebrated. 29 years in July, uh, uh, yes, June, June. I'm sorry, June will be. Uh, the, so this will be our 30th year here, at Gospel Light, and uh, just it's a church plant. So we started 1992, June 7th. Uh, we were definitely, as you mentioned earlier, we were, you know, wh- what I knew was which, which which was to be a independent Fundamental Baptist church at that time, um, planting, you know. With this conception that I was independent, finding out as the years went on that it's probably a lot less independent than I am now, which you find that in in following Christ uh, through through this process. But so it's it's been great. We love Hot Springs. We are you know just really uh, committed to this city, committed to this church, and committed to planting churches. And of course, Champion Christian College came actually Champion Baptist College came around in two thousand five. And uh, it was an amazing thing. I, well, one thing I'll say right now, interject as I introduce myself. I never curse my past. I've learned not to, 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 to get a critical, ugly, bitter attitude about my past because I'm, in many ways, I'm thankful for. I try to, I try to keep an attitude of gratitude for what God uh, gave me at that time because there's some beautiful things that came out of that. Right. But uh, you know, we, we, we did transition Champion Baptist College to a, a four-year accredited. Christian Liberal Arts College, uh, called Champion Christian College. And so we've been Champion Christian for the past four years, really more like a, I think probably more like a liberty model in a sense with, mm-hmm. you know, degree plans on both sides of the field, whether it's professional studies or uh, ministry, church church ministries. So, but, but it's beautiful. It's working, it's exciting. And uh, that transition also was uh, was, uh, was a tough one, but one that we feel blessed to have taken. Yeah,
1: and the church, I mean,
0: you know, now, uh, having gone full
1: swing through your transition, is now a part of the um, uh, uh, Southern Baptist Convention, and so you've gone from really what our listeners would know is more of a Hiles-type model of ministry, lots of door knocking, lots of buses, lots of hype and excitement, and I remember those days. I remember I remember following you and hearing you preach, and it was exciting, and and then now uh, into more of a, a model that's ob- obviously and totally different. And so that's what I want to talk about. I mean, you, what, what would you say was kind of the beginning of the journey of transition, particularly of you? Because you transition first. You know, the pastor is the one. God does the work in his heart, just like he did mine. W- when and what were the circumstances that started kind of shifting your mind into a new model of ministry?
0: That's a great question, Brian, and I love to answer that question, and I'm sure you and and Myself and others that have made this transition, we love to answer this question because it's our God journey and it's an amazing thing. So you know, I'll I'll try to be brief, but give you a full story here. So my, I think in the in the early stages, a lot of it did have to do with just not being able to biblically answer some really good questions from my from my children. To be honest, I mean, my kids were asking questions that 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 I was finding myself being defensive, but not. Scripture-based defensive, just you know, defensive because of my fear of man. You know, right. what, what, what will they think? What will the institution think? What will the college think? What will I lose that meeting? These types of things. And man, I tell you, I, I was bothered by that in my in my spirit. And I'll be honest, you know, I think although I, I feel like my kids would would love me today, and I would love them, and we would have a relationship. But I can assure you, without any apology on this stutter stammer, without any any. Hesitation at all. I don't think I would have the relationship I have with my kids, nor would I. they be in the ministry with me had we kept on that path. Absolutely. I just know that. Man, I remember one of the big
1: changes for me, Eric, and I'm, I'm this. Con- this could yeah. be a four hour conversation. I'm gonna I'm, gonna, no, I'm no. gonna stop interrupting. But when I heard my son reading the Bible for his little Becca homeschool that he was in at the time, <clears throat> trying to labor through David and Goliath story, I sat King James. I sat there and thought hey. to myself. No, uh, this is not going to happen anymore. I'm not I'm not doing this. I'm not playing a game for anybody. My kids will know the Bible, and they'll love the Bible, and they're not going to think the Bible is something they can't understand until they're an adult. So that, that, that man, I'll tell you, your kids and, and, and the college students and others <clears throat> asking questions. So <clears throat> you start having these moments where you're thinking. So tell me about some pivotal moments then that, in addition to that, just started, like, shaping. I'm not going to cut you off anymore because this is too good.
0: Yeah. So pivotal moment number one, without question, I'd heard about, I'd read the book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire from Jim Cymbala. Somebody gave me the book. I was afraid to read it initially, you know, I mean, for all the weird reasons, um, but but I, I read it and I was so moved. I mean, I wept in several moments of that book as I read about some of these incredible stories and uh, of prayer answered and prayer meetings and God moving and it was powerful. So I decided, told my wife, I'm buying a plane ticket. I'm going to New York, and I'm going to stay in a hotel and go to a Tuesday night prayer meeting. She said, honey, where? I said, honey, please just trust me. I love you. I need this for me. I've got, I've got to find out if, what this is all about. So I flew to New York by myself, checked into a hotel, and I walked three blocks to Brooklyn Tabernacle. When I got there, it was six o'clock. I got there an hour early. Prayer meeting starts at seven. By the way, that word prayer meeting was really true for that church. Right. I think a lot of the prayer meetings I had gone to, I don't even know why we called them prayer meetings. And I'm, I'm trying not to be critical, but it was kind of human. So I got there and I, I noticed there were lines coming outside the door. I thought, it's packed. I can't even get in. I've come all this way. So I asked one of the ushers at the front door. I said, hey, is it full? I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm here. I'm a guest. I just kind of wanted to see if I could go to the prayer meeting tonight. But it looks like it's full. People are coming out the, he goes, no, that's those are people that come early for prayer. Uh, hundreds of people come early, and we've been here since noon praying over people, and we'll be here till midnight. It's just what we do on Tuesday nights. It's uh, I'm like, wow. So I, he said, yeah, go ahead and get a seat. So I go in and get a seat, and I'm just watching all of this happen. At 7 o'clock, Mr. symbol Brother Symbala comes out. Hey, welcome to Brooklyn Tab tonight to our prayer meeting. If you're in a line, please get a seat. We'll start the prayer time again after the meeting. Don't worry, nobody will leave uh, without being prayed over. And I mean, I'm taking all this in. Um, and so we sit down, and the worship begins. And uh, for the very first time, I stood up, and and I'm telling you, I was. I mean, there was a little period of time, obviously, Brian, where I was getting adjusted and and getting my, you know, the calibration was starting to take place, the recalibration but I, within a few moments, I was taken away, almost as if, you know, it reminds me of what Paul said about, about that, that third heaven experience. I mean, I was in the presence of Jesus in that place, and it was almost as if I was the only person in that room. For the first time, you know, I, I raised my hands in worship and, and sang and experienced something that I'd never experienced before. Mr. Simbler got back up after the worship, Uh, He said, look, I feel led just to pray for guests that are here today. If you're a guest, would you, would you stand? And I thought, oh my goodness, I've got to stand in this building. I'm, you know, I'm thinking, what if somebody noticed, I I, I don't know. Anyway, I stood up and then he said, if you're a member of Brooklyn tab, would you please ask that person standing for 10 prayer requests? We just would like to pray for them. So this African-American lady stands next to me, she says, hello, my pastor wants me to pray for you. Would you give me 10 things? And she had her pad out and she writes these 10 things and she starts praying. And then he says, if you're a guest, would you step out into the aisle for just a moment? We'd like to pray over you. I know this may be a little uncomfortable, but sincerely, he said, we're not, we just, this is just what the Holy Spirit is prompting us today. It's kind of the way Tuesday nights go. And and so they prayed over me for five or 10 minutes. I got back in my seat. So I'll, I'll transition now. I get back to my hotel, call my, my, my wife and say, honey, I honestly, I'll tell you about it when I get home. I've just, I'm overwhelmed. So I get home, tell Carol Ann, she's she's beginning to enter this journey with me. She's more hesitant than I am, but she's coming along. So then, so that was my worship prayer experience. Well, then my my expository preaching experience came through Adrian Rogers. I'd heard about this incredibly uh, successful pastor in Memphis, Tennessee, who was a southern baptist. Who I was of course taboo, you know, to be influenced by that. But here's here's what was interesting, Brian, and I'm going to add this as a as a God loves me thing. This was a God God loves me deal. Adrian preached out of the King James. Mm. It was crazy. He mm-hmm. used the King Now he he also okay. used New King James and he referred to the NIV, but he he used the New King I uh, mean the, the the King James. So that helped me. It was a God loves me thing cuz I felt like hey <laughs> he was just the key table right I can go nobody <laughs> will be upset with me so I go to the meeting and for he's dying of cancer
1: yeah.
0: he's i didn't know him before I just knew him when he had cancer for two years in that meeting I, there was a couple times i went up to him and just said hey could we communicate i really would love to have your influence in my life he welcomed that we wrote a few times he sent me pick pictures of him and his wife Joyce signed pictures I love you Eric I mean I cherish those pictures cuz for and I and I'm going to say this very carefully the 2 years of influence from Adrian Rogers was more powerful and impactful than all my years in college oh absolutely uh, it was incredible so yeah. uh I I I I went back from that I preached for a very famous IFB preacher the next week I'm a pretty naive guy I still am I, I choose to be because I really want to think the best of people. I just don't. I don't want to go into something. So I go preach for this fella, you know, two, 3,000 people. It's a Sunday morning. We stop at Starbucks. And I say to him, totally thinking he's going to be so proud of me, I say, have you ever heard of Adrian Rogers? And as soon as I said those words, he said, Eric, what do you mean? I said, well, I went to his a preacher's fellowship with him and he is just amazing and oh by the way he uses the king james i'm thinking that's going to get me a free pass to talk about this and he he warned me that eric dr house would be ashamed of you he would turn over his grave you're one of his boys if you go become a southern baptist or become influenced by i knew brian hear me and hear me well in that conversation i knew i'm done yeah there's no way that can be – there's no way that that man is not what I saw, heard, felt, sensed. That is a man of God. And so by, that really solidified my journey. And from then until, until – well, for about 10 years, we began this journey of transitioning very – those were the two pivotal moments that God used Mr. Cimbala and Mr. Rogers to really bring me to a place that there is – more. There's more in this family. There's more influence I need. There's more books I need to read. Um, and and so there's, of course, like you said, four hours, but that's a brief explanation of what brought me to basically a place where we began to consider the SBC.
1: You know, my wife has been <clears throat> going through some things recently and, and just reading some fresh stuff and learning and, and resting uh, through just a, a tough season physically for her. She read one of the most powerful books this past week, she read it all in one setting, and she's not a reader. She read it in a two-hour setting, finished it like that, and she talked me through it the next day. We're sitting at the beach. She's flipping through chapter to chapter, and she looked at me, and she stopped me, and she said, Brian, for all these years, we didn't even know books like this existed. And I said, yeah, it's kind of a shame. It's a shame. I said, but no more. Never again. We will, we will learn from the best. We will be partners in the gospel. We will be friends with people that love Christ we don't have to worry about that anymore. That's a and yeah. just to think that if we there's somebody that truly knows Jesus as Savior, they believe the Bible is the Word of God, they are preaching the gospel. They're a, they're not only my friend, they are going to be somebody that I, if I could at all possible partnership with them, I will. And I think oh. I think that's what and then, of course, like you just described, when that wall comes down it's over. <laughs> and exactly. you're now, it's like, Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I, I mean, I don't have any of these hindrances. Now I'm going to truly do some things that I need to do regardless of the cost. That's where courage comes in. So, so now tell me now, okay, you come back, you're starting to feel this way. What are some immediate things some, in, in some of the early days, things that started visibly changing about you and the church culture?
0: You know, probably uh, I'll name five or six things that you know in, in order almost. Probably the first thing was my style of preaching, and, and and I don't mean that I didn't enjoy preaching topical messages and and that they have their place, but I became an expository preacher. I began to preach through books of the Bible. I began to preach more thematic uh, series of messages, and I learned that from Dr. Rogers. Yep. I, I learned it from following him, reading after him just overdosing on a lot of preaching from him. And so that that was a a, a a transition that my people began to notice. Wow, preacher, you're you don't, you know, and I'll say this tongue in cheek, you don't sound like this, this, you know, shallow, kind of a, <coughs> you know, same refurbished messages. And 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 they were nice about it, but I needed to hear that mm. because, you know, there there was this there was this almost fear of confront of uh, you know confronting a pastor about anything you know because we were you know we were kind of the end all be all. So I, secondly, I became more transparent. Mm. I just became transparent. I was honest about where I was at. I began to talk to the church about the journey. I was careful. I didn't I didn't put too much on them, but I was I was letting them know. I I remember Dr. Rogers died two years uh, later, and I put his picture on the screen. And I introduced my church to Dr. Roger and let them know, look, this was a great man. He just passed away. Let's pray for him and his family. I mm-hmm. uh, remember when uh, Billy Graham's wife, uh, I think it was when she passed away, we also, we honored her in in a service. And we had never done anything like this mm-hmm. before. Uh, but but I began to introduce my church to, to people around this world that were not, this small little group, you know, uh, that we had limited ourselves to to fellowshipping with. Um, I remember we began to transition in some of our music. I kind of tongue in cheek. I put a set of drums on the platform and I put them there for three months, and we never played them. And we just had them up there. And I and I mm-hmm. and I talked through Psalm chapter 150, and I just we we talked about the different instruments. And I would I would identify instruments as as the drums, the, the strings, the, you know, the cymbals, et cetera, et cetera. And I would let the church know that these are gifts from God to be able to worship him. And there are talented people in our church that, that need to use their gifts for God. And so we began to introduce music very carefully and cautiously. And just because th- I, I wanted to love my people in that. I, I did have kind of a Titanic because we had a church, a school, a college. I was trying to turn this ship, but I knew I, I was turning it in a Mississippi river. I couldn't, it was going to take forever. And it took yeah. it took us about five to seven years to do it. We never had a church split. Um, oh, we lost a lot of staff. I mean, we did lose a lot of people. Our church went from 1,500 a week to 750. And our school went from 150 to 50. Our college went from 300 to 30. We took a nosedive and there was a cost. Uh, that that was a pain it was painful to an extent but I'm gonna tell you this I, I I've always known even in my most painful moments of transition that I was following Christ and to bear this with him was a joy oh, it I was know. a joy and I have no regrets none whatsoever mm. Wow okay so uh,
1: what were some were there any verses like i I'll share one uh, from me that became, very substantive in my courageous journey, because what you described is courage. If you're willing to do the right thing, knowing, regardless of the cost, and just I hope our listeners will let that sink in, you you lose a significant amount of people, staff, and people on a journey to do what's right. That means you're definitely not doing it because it's convenient. You're doing it because you're convicted that this is the right path that we should go, or otherwise you wouldn't do it. And I think far too many leaders... Um, whether it's Christian colleges or mega churches or whatever, have to cater to supporters, <clears throat> other people that are calling the shots, whether they would say that or not. But I, I don't want that. So the, the verse that God really gave me in this was um, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever puts his trust in the Lord will be safe. When I came to our church and it was a same, almost the same thing, it had a lot of Heil's influence in the back. The pastor take a lot of people to uh, pastor school over the years, no pants on women, music was stuffy, all, just all of it. Buses, there were more bus kids than there were church members. And <clears throat> I just had to just put my nose to that verse and say, God, I'm going to fear you and follow you above everything. And, and, the, and, the, and when I fear man, they put me in a box, a trap. And that trap keeps people from doing what God wants them to do. If you're sitting in a cage You cannot explore, you cannot grow, you cannot expand, you cannot do what God wants you to do. And so many guys listening to us today may be themselves or know someone very close to them that's sitting in a trap, a box, a cage. And I think my prayer is that they will listen to the Lord and do what God wants them to do. So is there a verse or anything that you really clung to during those some of those transition moments like that?
0: Well, you just quoted, I mean, you know, no question, the fear of man is a snare. That was... Without question, that really is what it boils down to, in a sense of understanding that that is not what God intended for someone who is truly going to hear the voice of God, mm-hmm. follow Christ. We we have to do that if it costs us everything. And and so I read uh, Platt's book, "Follow Me," and I was convicted by that book. And it's it's an old book now. Mm-hmm. It's been I think it's the first one he wrote. So. Luke 14, 28, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down? And I love that. Sit down, hmm. sit down, contemplate, take some time, don't rush to this. Sit down and count the cost. Yep. And so I did that. In I, I, that, that verse, that concept of, okay, this is going to cost. And I don't want to destroy this church. This is God's church. And if it's God's will for this to continue to be this very, you know, boxed in, independent, fundamental, legalistic Baptist, if that's, then I, I don't want, I don't want to be the one who, who just because I'm kind of a bless God, I'm going to do this, whether you like it or not. I want to, I don't, I want to count the cost. Mm. I want to make sure that, 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 I understand what, what all is at stake here. Mm. And there was a lot at stake. My family, um, you know, we, we, uh, we didn't, and I say this to God be the glory. We, we had to, our church got so low on finances during this transition. We had, I had to withhold from getting paid six months. My dad called me up. He's Catholic. (laughs) He's he's Catholic. He said, son, I heard you're not, you can't take a paycheck for six months. I said, no, dad, I really need to, we're in a storm. We're, 30 days away from foreclosure on all of our buildings. I said, uh, we, I just can't, I, I, everything we've got to go to make this building payment. We're going to lose everything. And he said, son, I'll, I'll send you a check. I'll, I'll pay your, I'll pay your salary for, for six months. My dad stepped in and, yeah, and my Catholic, he's still Catholic. He's still like, he's praise God saved and it's an amazing story. But, um, so my dad took care of that. I could tell you so many stories that 30 days away from foreclosure, the, 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 Bank president told me, he said Eric, look, I understand you're, you know, I, I've heard your story because I told him the whole story, you know, and I asked him if he could help us to weather this storm, and he said, I, I've I've helped you as long as I can. I, we just can't do this any longer, you know, and and he said, so if you don't have a hundred thousand dollars in 30 days, you know, we're going to have to foreclose on 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 everything, and I said, I understand, that that's fair. So I went home, got a phone call from one of our men who now has passed away and gone to heaven, and he said, Eric, he said. He was an old country guy. Said, hey. He said, "Preacher, how much? I heard. I heard we're in bad shape." I said, "Yeah, Cliff, we're in bad shape. It, it's uh, it's tough." I said, "I'm sorry for all this." I said, "I maybe just God wants us to start over somewhere. I don't know, preacher Cliff." I said, I, "It's tough." He said, "How much you need?" I said, "A hundred thousand dollars." He did not blink. He didn't stutter. He said, "Well, I'll just bring a check for that in the morning." Oh my word! And I went down to the to the to the bank, gave him a hundred thousand dollars. And we have not missed since then. Amen. Um, story after story after story after story, where where we counted the cost, and it's it was high. But I can tell you, God will not leave His children uh, with with without an answer, without a way of escape. So mm-hmm. we have been blessed, and uh, <coughs> I can tell you now, I we've never been healthier. Never. Oh, absolutely. And, I'd love to take a moment and just tell you about our journey to the SBC. It's not for everybody. It really isn't. And and I'm not. Look, we've got, denominationally, we've got problems. I mean, there's issues and things in the convention. But what's beautiful is we are an independent Baptist church. The convention, there's no sign. I've had, hey, I had people at the meeting there and in the gospel say, now, did you have to sign your buildings over to the convention? I mean, great guys that really asked me honestly and sincerely, Eric, now what's it mean to be a Southern Baptist? Do they own your buildings? That's what they asked me. Well, I would have probably thought the same thing. Right. There is All it is is it is a network of churches that provides you as much or as little resources, help as you want, as yep. much or as little. And so we're, we're, when we began to understand that – and by the way, Brian, I will admit I was a pretty lonely guy. I mean, and I, I know – that sounds like I'm whining and if it, I, I'm not a whiner, but I, I was lonely. I, I was struggling. I just wanted somebody. And I know, I knew I, I had you and I didn't know you. I yeah. had a lot of guys like that in the gospel meet. I had, a, I just, for whatever reason, we were all probably just trying to stay afloat and figure things out for ourselves. And so for me, it was, it was about a six month journey. We had already changed to elder led, An elder-led church, so no longer was I the kingpin in this, making every decision and no accountability. Which, by the way, just raw and simple. I had no account. Hey, how I survived Hmm. is only God. Right. (laughs) You say, well, what are you saying, Eric? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying how I, how I somehow am not completely disqualified from ministry, the way that the model was. I have no clue how I survived it the size ministry, all the pressure. Now as an elder led church, I am a senior pastor, a lead pastor, but I am one amongst equals as we believe uh, after really studying the scriptures, this is how the church was designed, you know, to, to be, to be built. And so we're excited about that. Well, the six elders met for, uh, for six months and and we, we, we just worked through what it might look like to become a part of the convention and it was slow, it was methodical, but we have found a, a, a network of preachers here in Arkansas um, who have just been so supportive, and it's been a good thing for us. The IMB, Nam, all of that, it's been good for us to support it. It's not for everybody. I don't think it's part of the transit. You don't, you know, it's not like okay, if I I'm not fully free until I join the SBC. False, right? That's but good. but it, it yeah, but it is and has been for me. Uh, just a tremendous. Uh, source that's such of- a
1: great point, and I want to I want to highlight a couple a couple things you said, and then I'll, we got a couple other questions here. Number one, I love what you said about if this church is not going to transition, then I'm going to find another place to go. You had mentioned, you know, if this is not going to be, yeah. if this is going to stay independent, fundamental, legalistic, I had to cross that bridge too. And if this is going to be, that's fine. I'll leave it to somebody else, and I'll go then because I don't want to destroy something ultimately. Right. <clears throat> I think everybody needs to know that's a that's an option. I had a missionary call me, Eric. And these, and I'm sure you get this all the time, but independent Baptist missionary out on the road. He said, Brian, I, I know I'm struggling with the King James issue. I said, Who's your mission board? He told me. I said, I said, well, I'm a, there's you got two choices, two choices. One, hide who you are, and take the money, and just. I said I can't do that, but if you think you can do that, or number two resign immediately from the mission board, start all over again, and, and just redirect, reroute, because you can't do you can't do them. You gotta choose. And I think that's a healthy thing. If somebody's on the fence here about create what do I need to do? There's your choices. You can hide who you are and stay within a system, or you can be who you are and either transition where you are or go into something that allows you the liberty to do that. That's the courageous decision. So that, that's one thing I think is important. Uh, second thing I want to say about the SBC. I put this on Twitter a while back. The main difference between an independent Baptist and a Southern Baptist is that is that Southern Baptist will actually work together with people that they don't agree with. That's yeah. the difference. Here's the thing. people don't understand about the SBC. It is a voluntary cooperation. They don't tell you how much to give. They don't take your buildings. They don't, no restrictions, there's no hierarchy, there's no government, no no authority over it. If I want to participate, I can. If I want to give to a cooperative program, I can, but I don't have to. Nope. But, but we get to, if you're a part of that, you get to partner with the single largest financial resource available for the Great Commission around the world. So the question is, if a guy from my church goes out to be a missionary, do I want him to Go on deputation for 15 years and have to answer questions like, does your wife wear pants and are you going to use the King James in Japanese? He didn't have to answer those kinds of questions because right. that's right. not relevant. Or does he go through assessment, training, and fully funding through the IMB? And you know, you were at that meeting with me when Johnny Hunt stood up in that meeting and said, we have 1,100, we could fully fund 1,100 church plants in America today, but we don't have the pastors. I don't know if you felt it. There was like a gasp in the room. Oh, that oh, it Kit was Carrie. Uh, Carrie represented how we all felt. That's exactly right, and I felt the same way. And I, I, I told I was I had lunch today with Rick Wheeler. He's the he's the president and CEO of uh, Florida Fi- Baptist Financial Services SBC Wing, and I asked him that. I said, "Man, Johnny Hunt said this the to other day." And I, I just, man, I was so blown away by it. He looked right at me and said, "Absolutely true, right now, thousand churches right now, and it just it's an assessment. It's and it's all local church." The local church sends the person. It's not, yeah. it, and there's so much misconception out there. And in, in an upcoming episode, Aaron and I are actually going to talk about this, um, about the, the misconceptions of that. But you said it so well, man. That is, that is a path every single person needs to hear that. And it may not be your path, but I think, I think independent Baptists need to wake up, and they need to see this as a reality, not something you learned in the 1970s. Not, not. Not a battle that Jack Hiles fought in Italy, Texas, in 1959. No, 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 no. There were legitimate concerns back then, and I understand all of it. But what is happening in 2021 is different than what was happening in 1959, and and people just don't know that. And yeah. it's a, it's a tragedy. It's a it's a it's a 21st century church
0: tragedy. And that's why these podcasts are so important. I mean, if we're if if we reach and i know we're reaching more than one but i mean if one person listening to this is st- stirred to begin to inquire to 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 look into questions call brian call me let's talk let's go coffee let's do a zoom call let's let's walk through this thing together because i can assure you i i am i'm so happy i'm so free i'm not I love the ministry. I, I I'm not stressed, you know. Right. I I really mean that. I I it's unreal what God has done. I mean, I'm shouting it from the rooftops. Um, so praise God. Yeah. So you, you talked about the
1: cost and you talked about the um the rewards. You know, God's basically found a way to bring your church back and uh, and provide for you the network of people that most fit who you are, and that's what I want to transition out of this in God will, first of all, supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He will make a way. Our church split in 2019 right after we bought a $1.2 million building. Actually, it's $2.5 million. We only owe $1 million. Right after that happened, I mean, it split immediately over all this stuff. And it was tragic. And Aaron was with me. We we didn't lose all of our paycheck. We lost a a portion of it for six months or four months maybe. That was the cost. But now... The blessing, the numeric blessing, the spirit blessing. Oh my word! And I would take that above anything. If we were poor, oh. that would be. But the spirit, the freedom to have the music that you need to have, the the kinds of people in the church. There's a guy that stumbled in our church two weeks ago. One of our good men, and had just slipped into sin over the weekend. Drank alcohol all weekend. Had alcohol in his breath when it came to Sunday. But he was repentant. He was broken. He was weeping in my arms. An old, an, an old army ranger. I mean, a beast. And I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to walk in that him right now, and we're going to open up this service with our church praying for you, brother, that you'll stand strong. And you should have seen it. It was unbelievable. The whole church piles on this guy. That's that's the spirit of Christ that otherwise in my old, I would have had to probably navigate a bunch of pharisaical deacons trying to figure out how I need to church, church discipline the guy uh, for it. But that's... That's the freedom to minister love, and there's so many great stories I know we could all share. I want to take you up on something here. We're going to launch this, Aaron. I don't know what the date's going to be, but I'll let you know soon. But when this goes live, the challenge is to anybody listens to this. If Eric and I can help you, just just email me. I'll put Eric's email address in the show notes as well. And if there's one, two, three, 10, 20 guys that you really would like to get some help moving forward, we'll just we'll set up a Zoom call. And we'll do it, oh. Eric, Eric and I will figure out a time that um, we could do it collaboratively. We could do that, Eric. I think, we could, I think some people could really be helped with it. And I know you're out there. It's why we did this podcast. Eric, thank you. Just give me one final, maybe word of encouragement, maybe something you'd share with the, these guys that are listening before we sign
0: off. You know, one of the things that I think, I'll mention a final, just incredible moment in my life was, you know, our city had viewed our church as you know a nice place nice people that seems to be a decent pastor they just they don't have anything to do with this i didn't know they felt this way but many churches many pastors baptist churches christian churches non-denominational churches just i i, I was here for for 18 years and had no association with any church in town none there was no other independent baptist churches mm-hmm. i was the only independent baptist church in town so every phone call I got from a pastor, hey, would you come help us feed the homeless? No, sorry, brother. Uh, thanks for the offer. You know, mm-hmm. every call, every, we were just on an island and doing our thing. We had a prayer gathering in the Hot Springs Convention Center. 1,000 people gathered, 50 churches, and I stood up on the stage, and I looked at the city and looked at the churches and the pastors. I'll never forget this night. And I, I, I repented to the city. Mm. as a pastor. It was an amazing night. I could tell you that it's got a, a a really cool twist to it, if I could tell you the whole story sometime. But at the end of the day, Erica Pacey stood on a platform in front of a thousand people, downtown Hot Springs, probably 50 churches there and just said, I repent. Mm. I have been, I have been, I've isolated myself. I've been legalistic. I've been a pharisaical pastor. And I want the city to know that I was wrong, mm. but things are different. And I love you." If you love Jesus, I'm on your team, and we're together. We may not agree on everything, but you know what we agree on? We agree on God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Amen. And uh, man, it, it just revel. And that moment was so transformational that it's even talked about. Ten years happened ten years ago. To this day, people still say, "I'll never forget when you repented in front of us." I, we didn't expect it. We we didn't need it. But when you did it, it was one of those. I said, "No, I needed it." I said, I was wrong. I had snubbed every believer in this town that wasn't independent, fundamental. And I apologize. You are my brother. You are my sister. And we are on the same team. Amen. Amen.
1: I, I wish I could have been there. That would have been awesome. Oh. Eric, I, I mean this, man. I'm, our acquaintance and friendship now is, 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 is precious to me now. And I'm excited about the future. And we wish all the best to you. Thank you for carving out time and your busy schedule there to be on the podcast And I am absolutely confident that this recording is going to make a difference in somebody's life. So thank you, Eric, for joining us.
0: Thank you. Love you guys. Love you too,
1: man. Thanks for joining the Brian Sam's podcast. And we'll look forward to our next episode where we talk about life, leadership, and ministry. God bless you.